Okay, everybody, welcome today to Talk is Cheap, the Fight Against Mediocrity podcast. I'm extremely excited for today's guest. Caleb Maddox is 19 years old. He's an entrepreneur, author, keynote speaker, and social media influencer. Um, he's a self-made millionaire. He is the co-founder of Maddox Publishing, which is the number one book publishing company on the planet for people looking to increase their impact and income through writing a book. He is the author of nine books. That might even be more now at this point. He's reached millions of people. He was voted the top 20 most motivational people on the planet, as well as the top 30 entrepreneurs under 30. There's a huge, you know, he has shared the stage with um, and connected with the likes of Tony Robbins, Russell Brunson, Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, Sylvester Stallone, Gary Vaynerchuk, Darren Hardy, Grant Cardone. But I mean, we could we could spend the entire 30 minutes just talking about all you've done. But welcome to the show, Caleb. Super excited to have you here. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, man. Uh, it's actually been a while since I've heard someone go through my bio because I don't do as much speaking or, you know, podcasts and stuff like that as I used to. So it was cool kind of hearing the whole thing uh, for the first time in a while. Now I'm just around my team all day who who gets sick and tired of hearing all that stuff. So we just, we just wake up and get to work now. But dude, I appreciate it, man. Glad to be here. I love it. Hey, I appreciate it a lot. Um, what have you been working on? Tell us a little bit about what's going on in your world. What what are the big initiatives you're pushing right now? Yeah, man. So uh, number prior right now, we basically have a portfolio of companies. Um, you know, me and my business partner, Ryan, we have a very unique skill of being able to scale companies. That's what we're really, really good at. We've done it for a long time. Uh, you know, I've scaled multiple companies to multiple sit, uh, seven, eight figures in that range. Uh, you know, Ryan generated $60 million online by the time he was 22 and, uh, you know, helped kind of create, I don't know if you've ever heard of mastermind.com with Dean Graziosi and Tony Robbins. So did that whole thing. So both of us are really good at scaling companies. So now what we're basically doing is we're partnering with companies that have, you know, really good businesses that get people results that either have, you know, incredible average document results rate, guaranteed results rates. Um, just basically they have products and services that, you know, are really, really good for people that actually get results that actually deliver on what they promise. And so kind of what we do is Ron and I come in and, uh, you know, we partner with those companies and we do all the scaling, right? They do the operations and fulfillment and all that stuff. And then we scale those companies up. So that's what we're currently focused on. We have multiple companies in the portfolio right now, about three that we've scaled really, really hard. And then probably, you know, 10 others that are in the queue that we're kind of just scaling one by one. And uh, yeah, man, it's been a lot of fun. The goal is to impact millions of people and the companies we have, build an awesome team of people that, you know, are, are absolute savages and create an incredible culture. And then, you know, acquire billions of dollars worth of resources in the, in the process so that eventually we can go on to solve massive problems for the human race. So. That's the goal. It's a lot of fun getting to build it each and every single day. Dude, I love that you gave us the, the bird's eye view and then broke it down to how today impacts that. Because, um, you know, I'm down here in Mexico right now doing my 2022 planning with my wife. And, uh, you know, and in the things that we're reading and learning, it's like only 3% of people ever set a goal and then make a plan. So, you know, you're doing that right now. You the goal is impact billions of people. And yeah. this is how we're doing it. Dude, that's so true. You know, uh, I used to always say, you can't, you can't get what you want out of life until you know what it is you want out of life, right? And so it really starts with step one is what's your vision, right? What it is that you want to accomplish. And so for me, um, I've thought about it long and hard, right? And there's a lot of stuff that I could accomplish, could go on to do. But for me, the biggest thing is in my short time on this earth, on this floating rock, I want to impact as many people as, as humanly possible. And I want the human race be different because I existed. 
And to me, that's where I kind of gather my meaning from. And so that's my vision, right? That's what it is I'm, I'm trying to accomplish. And then the question is, um, you know, what is the defined process that you need to follow every single day in order to be able to accomplish this vision, right? You know, one of the people I respect the most, his name is uh, Nick Saban, who a lot of people know is the head football coach in Alabama. And, uh, you know, I've learned probably some of the most I've learned from, you know, anyone about leadership from him because the way he builds his football team is the reason why he's had success. He hasn't been able to do it so consistently. What he always says, there's three things you need in order to succeed. You need a, a clear vision. You need a fine process of exactly what you need to do each and every single day. And you need the discipline to actually follow that defined process each and every single day, right? And so I feel like that's where, well, that's honestly all you need, right? A lot of people overcomplicate it. They listen to a million podcasts and read a lot of books. And, you know, that's valuable because that gives you clarity on your vision. It gives you clarity on, on what your defined process should be. And that increases your discipline and motivation, all that. But really, if you just want to simplify it, you can write on a piece of paper, a vision, defined process, and then discipline. And really all you have to do is say, what is my vision? What is it that I want to accomplish? What do I want to do, right? Let's just start there. And then the defined process. What is the defined process that I need to follow every single day that I know if I do every single day, it's inevitable the vision gets accomplished, right? Because everyone always focuses on the vision. Like, how do I accomplish this? But it's like, you really don't have a life's vision or a decade vision. What you have is, you know, days and what you do on those days affects how your life turns out, right? So it's like you set a vision and you figure out what's the defined process, what do I need to do each and every single day? And so, for example, say the vision is, you know, let's use a simple example. I want to lose weight. It's all right. That's my vision. What's my defined process? Well, every single day I need to work out. I need to, you know, eat a certain amount of calories. I need to do X, Y, Z, drink a gallon of water, whatever it is you believe. And then uh, I, I know that's my defined process. And then the final thing is discipline. All I need to do is each and every single day, wake up and have the discipline to just do that defined process each and every single day. And it's like people overcomplicate success, but it's really as simple as that, right? So I'd, I'd encourage anyone, like you're out there like, you know, I want to win. It's like, dude, you want to succeed in sales? It's very simple. What's your vision? You now I want to be at 40K a month in, in commission. Okay, that's your vision. What's the defined process? What do you need to do each and every single day? Well, it's like, well, I'm not good enough to, to be at 40K a month in commission right now. Okay, well, part of the defined process needs to be every single day, I need to review film of how I how I did on the field. Like, how was my calls? You know what I mean? Like, whatever it might be. How was my meetings? I need to watch those and figure out what is every part of my game that's the weakest. And then I, every single day, I need to study human psychology and read books and watch videos and just consume human psychology and study sales. And then every single day, I know that if I want to hit 40K a month commission, I need to make X, Y, Z amount of dials. Here's the volume I need to have because I know I can control volume. I may not be able to control conversion because I may not be good enough to hit the conversion of 40K a month of commission. But what is the volume that once I get conversion dialed in, I'll be at 40K a month of commission. And as you figure out what that volume is, and then every single day you do that amount of volume. And then you look at it, it's like, okay, this is what I do every single day. And then all you need is the discipline. So you need to figure out why do I want to accomplish the, the vision, right? Why is that? So, well, the reason I want 40K is I want to be able to retire my dad. So it's like every single day, it's like, you know, reminding yourself, like, what it feel like to retire your dad? Like, what, what would that feel like? What would the moment be like? What type of satisfaction would you get from that? And it's like, increase your desire, your reason why you're doing it to the point where you have the discipline to follow the defined process. And if you do that, it's literally that simple and you will get to 40K a month commission. The key is you just do not lose the discipline to, to follow the defined process, right? That's where most people go wrong is they don't have the discipline to actually do it. And so they, they set goals and they constantly pivot and change. And it's like, dude, it's, it's as simple as, you know, once again, cliche stuff, but the, the wiser, I guess you could say I get, even though I don't consider myself to be uh, particularly wise, but the wiser I get, the more I go back to very simple cliches, right? And part of the cliche is if you never give up, you're, you're guaranteed to succeed. And I'll tell you what, it's one thing I've learned in my life, dude. If you just do not stop, you will not stop, right? If you do not slow down, you will not slow down. And it's like, everyone's trying to, 
figure out how to get results quickly. It's like, dude, you're better off just setting a vision and saying, I'm willing to give my life to it. You know what I mean? Like, dude, human, human potential is the ultimate currency, right? It's like, if you're willing to give your human potential to some, something, it's inevitable that you succeed, right? So it's like, okay, so all I need to do is give my human potential to my vision. So it's like, if my goal is, is, is to lose weight, I'm going to give 100% of my human potential to that. My goal is 40K a month commission. I'm going to give 100% of my potential to that. My goal is to change the human race. I'm going to give 100% of my human potential to that, right? It's like, you just give your human potential to it. You give 100% of yourself to it. And if you do that over, over a sustained period of time, you will win. So anyway, there's your, your opening rant to start the podcast. But I love it, dude. No, it's not sexy, though. The people want the sexy stuff. They want to do the cool, the cool things. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of times when you said people change a lot and give up, is it, it's kind of like climbing Mount Everest. I, I kind of think of it like, OK, you got this big, hairy, audacious goal and people look at it and like, I can't do it. I'm going to give up versus just looking down and being like, I just have to take the next step. I yeah. just have to make the calls. I just have to go to the gym. So dude, no, that's powerful. I love it. Thanks for uh, kicking us off with that. Um, I mean, you're, you're the questions that I could ask you. There's a ton. I mean, you've, you've done a lot, you have a lot going on. Um, but I learned this from Alex Hormozzi. Oftentimes when we're in front of someone like yourself, any question that I'm going to ask is going to seem kind of silly. So, you know, if you were me in my shoes, what would you ask yourself? <laughs> That's a great question. By the way, love Alex Hermosi. Hermosi is the man. Um, dude, I don't know what I'd ask me, bro. I, I honestly have no clue. Uh, what do you wish people asked you more? Dude, I just, I, just, I, I mean, I don't think about that first off. It's like, it be, you know, I, I answer what people ask me. And if they, if they want to know, then I'll, I'll answer. Um, but like for me, I don't really, there's nothing specific. I'm like, man, I wish people would ask me this. And I mean, I wish this was a question I got more often just cause for me, it's like, dude, I'm just here to answer whatever people want to answer or want to ask. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. What, what would be the question? It's, it's not, a, I, I mean, I have lots of questions I can ask, so don't feel like you need to think of a question. Um, how have you been able to connect with so many influential people over your very, I mean, you're, you're 19 years old. You've been on shared stage with Arnold Russell, Tony Robbins. Like how have you been able to do it? Like what, what is it? The mindset alone? Is it, how have you connected with all these influential people? Yeah, I think, uh, there's a few things. Um, a definitely the biggest part is energy, right? I really believe that. Like I've just met successful people and they want to be around people with great energy. You know what I mean? They want to be around people who are enthusiastic, who carry an energy of, you know, confidence, who um, have mentality. Like those are all things they respect. Otherwise they wouldn't be who they are. And so that's a, a large part of it, right? Is just the energy that I have. And um, I think definitely my, my age plays a factor because you don't meet, you know, whenever I was 14, uh, maybe I didn't have the success of some people, but you don't meet that many energized 14 year olds. And naturally successful people, I think want to help, um, you know, young people who have that, that type of energy. So I think that's definitely part of it. But I think in, in general, it's just energy. Like I, I had a meeting a, long, uh, a while back with a 28 year old billionaire. Um, and uh, I, I basically met him at this like little networking party. Uh, he was like super, did not look like the most powerful person in the room. He was like in flip-flops and just chilling. And I started talking to him and I was just so fascinated with him. And then at the end of the meeting, someone came up to me and was like, dude, you know that he's a 20 year old billionaire. And he was like, you know, we talked for like an hour and, uh, and we had already scheduled lunch for the next day because we just had hung out and enjoyed time together. And next thing you know, uh, the next day we came over there, I had a 30 minute meeting scheduled on the books. 
And it was like 45 minutes that had gone by. And I was like, hey, man, like, where are you over on time? You know, I'll get out of your way. And he's like, no, man, stay a little bit longer. Next, you know, 90 minutes goes by. I was like, dude, I really should get going. Like, I feel bad. He's like, no, man, stay a little bit longer. And he started having like his team come in and be like, hey, man, like, you know, you got a meeting, like, are you ready to hop on? And he'd be like, no, push it back. And he pushed back multiple meetings. And uh, we ended up hanging out for like seven hours long. And I remember asking him, I was like, dude, we've been together the entire day. We had lunch scheduled. Like, why, why have you spent so much time? Like, we came in at like noon and now it's like it, the sun is setting. Like, why, like, why spend so much time with me? And he was like, you know, honestly, the reason why I pushed off all the meetings, et cetera, and didn't do any work today and just hung out with you is because there's nothing more productive I could be doing than hanging around people with good energy, right? And that was like his philosophy is like, there's nothing I could be doing on the planet more productive and powerful than hanging around people with good energy. And so I feel like it's definitely part of it is just, you know, I have a standard of energy that I have. And because of that energy, um, successful people, they want to be around that. And it's something they're comfortable with being around. So I think that's part of it. And then also, secondly, uh, what I always tell people is, it's actually something my dad told me growing up. He's like, Caleb, you know, everyone wants to go on Oprah, but they're not willing to do something that's Oprah bowl, right? That was his whole thing. And uh, basically what that means is like, everyone wants to meet powerful people, but they're not willing to build something that would warrant powerful people wanting to be around them, right? And I feel like that's also a big part of it is, you know, they've seen the success that I've had, the accomplishments, the stuff that I've built and uh, successful people and people who have built stuff want to be around more people who have built stuff, right? Just natural. So I feel like that's also a big thing. A lot of people try to network by, you know, saying the right things. What's really powerful is not saying the right things. It's doing the right things and build, building the right things. And then typically the right people kind of come around you, right? So even I met the founder of Priceline.com and I said, what's your best advice for me when I was 14? And he said, my best advice is don't be known for what you say, be known for what you do, right? And I think that there's a lot of power behind that as well. It's just, dude, if you want to be around powerful people, become powerful. You know, I mean, powerful people do not hang around weak people. So don't focus so much on your inner circle, focus on your inner self and who you are and building yourself. And then your, your inner circle will follow. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, you attract who you are, right? You attract the type of person you are into your life. Um, I'm curious, just I'm intrigued. You know, you've, you've met a lot of these people. Um, who's been the most impactful in your life? Um, so there's a few, I would say, well, obviously you're just saying out of like people I've met, right. Correct. Like at events and you know, stuff. Yeah. Uh, definitely Russell Brunson has by far been one of the most impactful, um, like dude, just the, the opportunities he's given me, the support that he's given me, like he's just an absolute one of a kind and just has been way more kind to me than I feel like I even deserve. So I feel like Russell's probably been honestly the most impactful. Um, and I was just, I, I just have so much love for the guy. Like just the type of person he is. I, I have respect for what he's built in a massive way, but even more respect for who he is as a person, who he is as a family, you know, man. Um, and I, I have a lot of respect for that and how he's as a leader. So with that said, I'd say probably Russell's been the most impactful. And then, uh, you know, there's a lot of people like a uh, great Cardone has been of a big impact for me, uh, putting me on this, you know, the, the platform he put, he's put me on, meaning like we've done a lot of interviews together and stuff of that nature, which has given me a lot of exposure. Uh, I've learned a lot from Grant, not just directly, you know, sitting in his office for hours at a time, which I've, I've done before, but even more so just watching him online and watching the videos. Like I've been watching him since I was, you know, 13 years old and watched him every single day for a really long time. And I wouldn't have gotten into sales the way I've gotten into if it wasn't for him. Um, Gary Vee's also been a big impact, uh, mainly because when I was 14, I watched him. He talked a lot about social media. And so that's why I started actually doing social media because Gary talked about it so much. So he was super impactful. 
um, because I wouldn't have reached, you know, the people that I've reached if it wasn't for starting out on social media and doing that. So there's been a lot of people that have been impactful, but I'd say Russell's probably at the, the top of the list there. He's just the man, dude. He's the best. And why you mentioned a few things about him, but what can you say specifically some of the things that he's done or said that have been so impactful for you? Um, yeah, for sure. There's a lot of stuff. Uh, I think the biggest thing is just the amount of time that I've spent with him. You know, he's poured a lot of time into me and, uh, has always just been open to it. Like, you know what I mean? Like whenever I first met him, uh, we actually got connected and then he invited me out to spend uh, two days with him in Boise. And so I actually like was at his house the, all day and hung with his kids and went out on the trampoline. And so when we met, like we spent a lot of quality time together. And I feel like that's, you know, obviously a massive thing. Like, so, you know, some of the other guys I've, I've had great conversations with and stuff of that nature, but not spend as much time as I have with Russell. So that's definitely a big thing. And there's also, he, he's taught me a lot in that period of time. Uh, obviously a lot about marketing on a tactical level, um, which is, was super valuable and was kind of my first exposure into internet marketing and a lot of the skills that I have now. But even more than what I've learned from him when it comes to marketing, uh, what I've learned just the most is a lot of the principles he has, like, you know, even just he talked a lot about standards and, you know, told me stories of growing up and how he learned about the power of just the standards you have when, it, you know, when he was in wrestling um, and just like, you know, the type of values that he has as a family man, like I said before, that's a really big thing. And I, I have a lot of respect for that because for me, that that's success to me. You know, there's three things that, that define me as successful in my lifetime. How many people did I impact? You know, what type of impact I live on the human race? How did I change the system, et cetera? Number two, how was I as a father? And number three, how was I as a husband? And those are not in, in any order. If I got to say husband and father definitely are at the, the top of the list. And right under that is how many people do I impact? And so I've just learned a lot from Russell, just watching him and the way that he's prioritized family. I feel like that's a, a super special thing. So, man, so many lessons from him. But I think probably the biggest one was just in the beginning, like him kind of just introducing me to the industry in a lot of ways. Cause I would just, I was creating viral videos and, you know, doing what I was doing, but I didn't really understand the, the, what profitably advertising was and a lot of the, the core components that you need in order to kind of move your way into business and scaling companies the right way. Yeah, no. And I, uh, yeah, I appreciate you talking about that. Russell's definitely influenced tons of people um, who then like you, you go on to influence even more people and then those people go on to influence other people. So uh, definitely a chain reaction. Um, I would love to hear, and I'm sure the listeners too, like, you know, you were like 13. I don't know. How did, how did you get started? Like, what was there a day where you're like, I'm running with this? Like I'm blowing up. How, yeah. how was it? How did you get started? And what were the first things that you did to, to create success? Yeah. So whenever I was seven years old, starts when I was seven, um, I, Basically, my, I, I saw my friends getting paid to do chores and, you know, take out the trash, do the dishes, all that stuff. And for me, it kind of ticked me off because I'm like, dude, I'm doing all the stuff they're doing. I'm just not getting paid for it. So I tried to convince my dad to pay me to do chores, you know, pay me $20 a month to take out the trash, whatever it might be. And, uh, and he just refused to do it. And I was just like, why, why, why not? Like, all my friends are getting paid to do chores. What's, what's the deal? And he made a decision. He decided to not pay me to do chores because he was like, dude, I, I believe in the power of incentive. And if I incentivize you to do chores, like it doesn't make sense because that's not what you're going to get paid for whenever you're older. You're not going to get paid to take out the trash. Like that should be what's expected of you, right? That's just like first thing you have to do. Um, so here's what I will pay you for. I'll pay you $20 for every single business and personal growth book that you read and write a report on. And so at seven years old, my dad started paying me $20 for every single book that I would read and write, uh, or sorry, read and uh, write a report on. And I started reading personal development books at seven years old. 
and they completely changed my life. You know, I mean, at seven, like I was learning about taking full responsibility and setting goals and believing in yourself and visualization, all this crazy stuff. And it was like this whole world I was exposed to. And uh, it made me just like a little like firecracker, dude. Like I was just like, I, had, I was saying affirmations every single day. And I would read until like 3 a.m. before before school. And I was just like super hungry just because I was, I, I was so blown away by the stuff that I was learning. And I saw it directly affect my life. And at a young age, I also realized that none of my friends had these principles. And it felt like I was literally living with like skip buttons, you know what I mean? Or like with superpowers because none of my friends had these principles and I did. And so I try to always teach these principles in them to get them to understand it. And, you know, when we'd be in PE and all the kids would be complaining because got, they got placed on the worst team, you know, I'd be like, guys, like, we had to take full responsibility that like, we can do. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I would just always thought that I'd try to get my, my friends to do it. And I could never, out of my entire childhood, break through and get other kids to love personal growth the way I did because, you know, a lot of the books they read that I tried to get them to read were like these 400 page books written from adults using uh, analogies that are more applicable and relatable to adults, et cetera. And so with that said, my entire life, I always like knew that was something I kind of wanted to do throughout my life at some point is figure out how do I teach young kids personal growth? Like how do I teach them the same way I got to learn from it? And uh, growing up, my goal was to become a shortstop for the New York Yankees. That was like my biggest goal by far. Uh, and I gave my entire childhood to it. I did nothing my entire childhood except play baseball that was it like I'd wake up I had five daily habits I'd hit every single day field every single day like I had these five daily habits and so I'd wake up at 5 a.m I'd work out for two hours before school and do drills I'd get home from school do homework and then the rest of the night I'd, I'd play baseball so that my entire childhood that's where I got my work ethic from and then at 13 um that's whenever I was actually at my dad's softball game because he was in a softball league and I was just like tired of it I was just like know it like my team doesn't have the right values they don't know these personal growth principles you know, my, uh, you know, all my friends at school don't, I, I just was like, like, I've seen my life play out so well because of this, and, and I excelled, and I went from the worst kid on my entire baseball team to the all-star team from Florida within a year and a half, two years, all because of the principles that I applied, and so I basically made up my mind that when I was on that softball field, that I was going to write a personal growth book for kids, right, I just, I knew I was going to do it, like, I was going to write the first ever personal growth book from a kid to kids, so they would relate and finally read it, uh, and I wrote down, like, I'm going to, you know, write a book uh, by the time I'm 20 years old. I wrote it out. And then one day I, I kept writing out because I wrote out my goals every single morning. I wrote out, write a book at 20 or write a book by 20 years old. I just remember thinking, why 20? Like, it makes no sense. Like, what's the difference between 14 and 20? If anything, I'm more relatable to kids now. I might as well do it now. And so I sat down and I pulled out the notes on my phone at 13. And I wrote an entire book in a month. And just went through it and just wrote the entire book. And I uh, took all free time and, and wrote it. And then I told my dad about it and then got him to, you know, like help me with setting it up on Amazon and all that stuff and then published the book. And I knew I needed to get out there to people, right? Cause I just believed in this book. It was like, not just like, let's sell millions of copies. Let's become rich. Let's do X, Y, Z. It was just like, I believe in this. On doors every single day in the hot Florida summer heat. Cause that was the only way I knew how to get it out there to people was literally just knocking on doors. Yeah. And so I knocked on doors every single day that entire summer and then that's where I started watching Grant Cardone and Gary Vee. And they talked about social media and, and using that as an avenue slash vehicle. And so I decided to uh, start producing videos because like, man, you know, if this works, like this would replace knocking doors. And I remember getting like six views in my first video. I was fired up. So I'm like, dude, that's like knocking on six doors. And so I was just like, I'm going to create more videos. Cause I wasn't thinking like, you know, you should post one video a day. I was just like, I'm going to create more videos because every video I create, you know, people watch it. And yeah. so I created like five videos, 10 videos a day. We just constantly putting out videos nonstop. And after like a few months of doing it, uh, a few of them started to kind of 
get some traction. Like one got like 70,000 views. And I remember being blown away. I got 70,000 views. Like that's an entire football stadium. And, uh, and I, I was like, I doubled down, did more and did more of what worked and less of what didn't work. And within, you know, a few months, I was reaching 9 million people a week uh, on social media, just from that whole process, just trying to get my stuff out there. So that's kind of how it all started. And then I, I realized uh, that next summer, I sat down at the campfire with my with my dad and my uh, my dad's best friend, Jeremy. And I remember just thinking to myself, like, dude, I can try to do baseball and take that route, which I know I'd succeed. At. I already had scouts looking at me and all that stuff. And I knew I would succeed. But I was like, but also like it's a short career. You know, the reason I wanted to do baseball is because I loved baseball and I thought it would give me a platform to be able to impact people. And I thought I'd be able to make a lot of money. But I actually see a path to make more money doing this. I see a path to impact more people doing this. And I love doing this as much as baseball. And so I just made the decision to go all in and uh, the rest is history. So the rest is being written in history right now because you're only 19 years old, dude. It's freaking crazy. Exactly. <laughs> Appreciate it. Um, dude, I love that. What are, so now you, you know, you've scaled these companies, you've done all these amazing things. Um, and for anybody listening, like hop on Amazon and buy his book right now. Um, that's a must read. So what are some, as you're scaling companies, a lot of the people listening to this podcast are business owners. What are some of the key things you see make or break a company as they scale? So easy, super simple. All right, three things. Uh, and actually it's funny because I've, I've created a lot of companies at this point, like a lot of companies, which is funny because I'm 19, but I've been yeah. involved in a lot of companies and I've created a lot myself and I've been through the ringer is what I like to call it. You know, when I first met Russell Brunson, he told me he was like, um, he said his mentor told him to never do business with someone that hasn't cycled at least three times, which a cycle means they've been to the top and they've been back to the bottom three times. Really? And uh, he was like, don't do business with anyone. Cause like if they haven't cycled, they don't have the skills, et cetera. So um, with that said, I've definitely cycled by now and I've created a lot of companies and scaled them to the moon and then failed and uh, had a, a fun journey along the way. And it's really simple, man. It comes back to three things. And these three things is also what um, I don't know if you ever seen the show, the profit with Marcus Limonis, but he talked, he talks about these three things in that show. And I, I knew this growing up, but I did, it took me failing tons of companies to actually understand the power of these three things, three things, people, process, product. That's it. If you want to scale a company, it comes down to those three things, right? It's like the people you have, the process you have, and the product you have. In my opinion, it starts with the product. There's no company on the planet that is successful that has a bad product, not a single one. It will not sustain. There may be things they can improve and stuff of that nature, but at the end of the day, the product is good or else you don't have a company, right? So what I would start out is the product. Can I actually get people results? And I think so many people focus on sales and marketing and, and scaling and you know all that stuff. But it's like, I've done that without having products that are unbelievable. Like I've had products that are good, but not like life-changing, yeah. gets results every single time, et cetera. And it just doesn't work. You're building on a, on a foundation that's just, it's a house of cards, right? So for me, that's always first is the product. And I think that's, as a business owner, that's the first thing you should focus on is how do I make sure that I deliver more results with what I do than anyone else in my industry? That's it. And if you do that, no matter what, everything else becomes really easy. When you have a really good product, that's how you step into friction-free scaling, right? So with that said, first is product. Then there's people. Uh, sorry, actually, then there's process. So it's like, then you need to have defined processes that your company needs to follow in order to scale. It's that simple. Which once again, I'm not going to be able to tell you guys on this, you know, this uh, interview, everything you need to know. Yeah, to scale. Totally. But point, point being, it's like, it's a, it's a macro level. You need to find process. And then what you need is you need people and you need to recruit extremely talented people who can follow those processes every single day and can and make, make sure stuff's executed. And if you do those three things correctly, 
you'll have a successful company that not only makes a lot of money, but makes a lot of profit, which is really the key in business. It's not revenue, it's profit. How much are you actually taking home at the end of the day? Uh, and then also it, it's going to run without requiring a lot of you because it's process. It's it's based off the process. So for me, that's what I look for whenever it comes to companies. What are the people? What are the processes? What are the product? And when it comes to actually scaling a company, which is my skill set, my specific skill set, because the rest of the stuff, when it comes to people, you know, I, I, I have a full-time recruiter. We just recruit people who are incredibly talented to join our team. When it comes to processes, a lot of times when we partner with companies, they already have processes when it comes to operations, stuff of that nature. And then product, we're partnering with people who already have amazing products and services. So my part comes in when it comes to scaling, which is a part of process because it's like the scaling process. And scaling co company is very simple. It's all about economics, right? It's like when it comes to scaling company, it's literally a math. Uh, and by the way, if, if you want to like learn more or not learn more in depth, but understand more in depth of what I'm actually saying is what's going to give you macro stuff. The best book on the planet when it comes to this is $100 million offers by Alex Ramosi. Everything you need is in that inside that book. Like if you read that book and you didn't feel like you knew exactly what you needed to scale a company, then read it again. Because like at, at some point it'll click. And I'll tell you what, like you can either try to create a bunch of companies and fail or read that book and just like let it click out the gate. It's really that good of a book. But notice what Hermosi talks about so much is literally just math, right? It's just, it's the economics of scaling. And so a lot of people, they work on psychology. It's like, how do I make my sales pitch better? How do I do this? How do I do this? It's like, all you really need to scale a company is you need to get uh, your math dialed into the point where all it takes to scale is duplication, right? So it's like, for example, if you're running advertising, all you need to do is figure out how you can get your value of a customer to be above the cost of a customer, right? That's it. So if your LTV, meaning your lifetime value of a customer is greater than how much it costs for you to acquire a customer, then you can get to hundreds of thousands, if not million dollars a month, very, very quickly. Because all you need to do is spend more money and buy more customers. That's it, right? So like, so, so a lot of people, they get distracted. It's like, dude, all you focus on is how do I make my LTV as high as possible? And then my cost to acquire a customer as low as possible. And then once those two things are dialed in, all I need to do is acquire more customers, right? And it doesn't even just mean, it doesn't just have to be advertising. There's a bunch of different ways to acquire customers and to, to scale by duplication. For example, if you're doing brick and mortar, all you really need to do is figure out how to create a location and that costs X, Y, Z, this amount to, to create and run, et cetera. And then figure out how does that location be worth more than the amount that it costs me to create it. And then once you can make it worth more, exponentially more than the amount it costs you to create it, all you need to do in order to scale that company now is literally just create more locations. It's how McDonald's scales. It's how the biggest companies in the world scales, right? It's how, like, just look at any brick and mortar company. That's what it takes, right? So it's like, that's the way you need to think in order to scale a business is literally, how do I figure out how to spend a certain amount of money that makes me more money? And then all you need to do is scale by duplication, right? It's like, it's very simple. So that said, $100 million offers by Alex Ramosi. It'll take everything I just said in a very uncomplicated, uh, unsmooth level. And it'll make it very simple and just, and just kind of make it like exactly what you need to know in order to succeed. In fact, I actually was going to write a marketing book. Me and Ryan both were thinking about it. And that book came out and we read like the table of contents and looked at it and watched his course and re read a little bit of the book. And we're like, dude, we don't need to write a marketing book. Just direct people towards this. I mean that. It's really good. Yeah. No, I second that. I've read it a couple of times and it is phenomenal. So um, that's way cool. I want to pivot a little bit. Um, very impressive. All the the venues and locations that you've you've spoken at and uh, done presentations at and with the people you've done them with um as you've learned and grown what makes a great presentation how do you captivate an audience and help them change and do something different yeah uh i mean there's a few things that when it comes to speaking specifically number one is 
telling stories and there's nothing that is better for the human mind than telling stories where right? you can teach and show slides and all that stuff and have bullet points. But it's like, if you actually want to change people's lives, it's going to happen through telling stories, right? So when it comes to speaking, you look at the greatest speakers throughout history. That's all they did. They were just really, really good storytellers. And then they told the stories in a, you know, mass audience format. And that's what speaking yeah. is, right? So that's the biggest thing is like, dude, if you're, if you're ever getting up on stage, you don't know what to say, tell a few stories that have principles baked into them. And then, you know, you'll be successful. So that's first things first. Uh, secondly, what I always tell people is, you know, biggest thing when it comes to speaking is, is don't try to become a great speaker, become a great person, right? I tell people this with everything. It's like, don't try to become a great parent, become a great person. Don't become a great entrepreneur, become a great person. Don't become a sales, great salesperson, become a great person. Because everything starts with you as an individual, right? It's like, as a parent, how you are individually, how you have yourself organized, the discipline you have, the habits you have, the principles you live by, that's going to translate to your kids, right? It's like, no matter how good you are as a parent or how bad you are as a parent, it really doesn't matter as long as you yourself are, are dialed in, right? Um, and then the same exact thing when it comes to sales is like the best salespeople I know are the best leaders, right? They're the, they're the most powerful people. They're the best communicators. They're the ones who have their, their own personal habits dialed in the most, right? So they, they work on themselves and then it, it kind of translates. Same thing with speakers. The best speakers I've ever met are just the greatest humans who step on stage, right? So it's like, what I always tell people when it comes to speaking, you don't focus so much on the presentation and how do I speak well and all that. People really don't care. They don't care if you stutter, if you stay in your speaking frame. They don't care about all those little you know, tactics people talk about. It's really like the way to resonate with an audience is to, to be someone who resonates with the audience, right? It's to, you know, even when it comes to stories, people are like, how do I tell great stories? It's like, well, A, like you can either like genuinely just like find good stories and then tell those. But also the best thing is to tell personal stories. And the best way to tell personal stories is to actually have stories to share, right? So it's like whenever I used to get up on stage, you'd be like, I would tell a story about whenever I would, you know, door knock and uh, in the Florida summer heat and people would spit on me. I would tell stories of whenever I'd failed companies. I would tell stories of whenever, you know, I landed a business partnership with a shark from Shark Tank. I would tell all these different stories. They're all just personal stories that I would just share and it resonated with people. But I couldn't have told those stories if I had not first done the things that created those stories, right? So that's why I was tell people when it comes to speaking is don't focus so much on speaking because it's just, it's a lower leverage skill than building something or becoming some, someone and then getting on stage and talking about it. And then when it comes to getting on stage, when you actually have the opportunity to present, it's just, truthfully, it's just literally, you need to have the emotion that you want the audience to have, right? So it's like, if you're uncomfortable, the audience is going to feel uncomfortable. They're going to feel antsy. They're going to get, they're going to get like, if you're ready to go off stage, they're going to be ready for you to go off stage. If you feel comfortable on stage, they're going to feel comfortable with you on stage. If you feel confident and certain, they're going to feel certain in what you're saying. If you get emotional, they're going to get emotional, right? Like the audience is literally just a mirror of you, which by speaking is a really cool uh, art form because it's literally just like you reflected across a thousand people. Um, so that's how I'd say is like, dude, when you get up on stage, just figure out the emotion you want and then just embody that fully. You know what I mean, like, dude, I'll, I'll give speeches. And I do everything wrong. Like, I'll, I'll like sit down on the stage and lay down on the stage. Like, I'm just like all over the place, but like people resonate with it because I'm just, I'm communicating what's going through my mind, right? It's like, even you look at Tony Robbins, Tony Robbins is a powerful speaker, not because he's a powerful speaker. It's because he's a powerful human. You sit down in a boardroom with him and, you know, meeting, whatever it is, like, you're going to feel like, man, this is a powerful human being, right? So it all comes back to that. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. I think uh, humans are great lie detectors and, you know, like Zig Ziglar says, sales is really just the transfer of emotions. And same thing with speaking, you know, you, you can tell when someone as, uh, is truly speaking from experience and who they are and what they've done. Oh, totally. Well, yeah. Um, I know we, uh, I don't want to keep you too much longer. 
I have one final question, but before I ask that, if actually I have two more questions because this question kind of ties into it. So if anybody want to follow anybody wants to follow you or connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Um, probably, I really don't post much on social media anymore. So probably Instagram, that's where I'm most active. I'll post Instagram stories uh, every once in a while, just what's going through my head. It's just literally like my public journal in a, in a funny way. So probably Instagram, uh, just at Caleb Maddox, my name, C-A-L-E-B-M-A-D-D-I-X, probably the best, best place. Cool. What's the, what's the thought process behind not posting too much? Is it just like, ah, I don't need it. I'm too busy. Or is it, you know, what's the thought process behind that? Yeah. The thought process is pretty simple. You know, I spent a lot of time from 14 to 17, really 14 to 16 hardcore, but 14 to 17, where personal brand was my life, right? I was like producing content, posting videos and all that stuff. And I think, you know, for me, I look at my goal in life and what I'm optimizing for, because that's what it comes back to. What's your vision? What are you optimizing for? And you got to make decisions and filter everything through that. So like for me, I want to change the human race. I want to, you know, impact the system. There's all those, those goals that I have. And I don't feel like the best way of doing that is through having a personal brand at this point in my life. Maybe that changes in the future, but I feel like right now it's best for me to work on the portfolio that I have and scale that to multiple billions of dollars and, and then use that capital to figure out the next steps than it is through building a personal brand. And I don't think a personal brand helps me build the portfolio more effectively towards accumulating those billions of dollars. So therefore the personal brand would more so be something I do for fun or just like short-term impact. Um, and honestly, I'm way too obsessive of a person to do something on the side kind of for fun. Like I will become obsessed and like, you know, and, and just absolutely focus on growing it as much as possible and impact as much people as possible. And I know to become like a thing in my mind and there's only so much room in my brain for a thing, if that makes sense. And I don't feel like it's the best thing for my brain to be focused on at the moment. And also uh, the thing that has pulled me back and sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm gonna start it back has been like, I genuinely do know that I can impact a lot of people. You know, whenever I was reaching millions of people on a consistent basis, I was impacting a lot of people very deeply. Uh, but it's also like, well, what's, what's more impactful, you know, impacting hundreds, thousands, maybe even millions of people now or impacting billions of people down the line because I was just had a little bit more delayed gratification. And I feel like it, it definitely is the latter. So that's why I just haven't prioritized social media as much It's just, I don't think it's the best thing for me at the moment. Although I would love to do it. I just, I don't think it's a, a priority. So I, I have to make that decision. Yeah, no, I, I hope everyone caught that lesson and it, you know, it stands out to me as focus. Like you only have so much focus. And you have to be very intentional with where you spend that focus. So that's why I asked because I, I was curious, you know, if it yeah. was that and that's that, but yeah, you gotta, you gotta say no to the good to say yes to the best. You know what I mean? And like, as uh, you only have so much mind share, right? There's only so much that you can direct your brain towards. And uh, all focus is, is focus is the absence of distraction, right? So it's like, how, what distractions can I completely eliminate? And the less you have your mind focused on the, the more you're going to succeed. And it's also exponential. Because like when your mind's focused 50% on something, 50% on something else, the difference in 50% on something and 50% on something else and 100% on one thing is literally exponential because your mind compounds, right? And like when you're focused on something 24, 7, 3, 6, 5, like those little extra gaps where you're constantly thinking about it versus switch tasking, like there's just a level of momentum that's picked up from that that you don't get from focusing on multiple things. Um, so yeah, man, you got you to protect focus, got to protect attention. All the yeah. most successful people I know, they are like aggressive towards protecting attention. Where's my attention going? What's it focused on? Yeah, totally. I love it. Okay. Really two more questions. So, um, second to last question, 
when you say impact billions of people, I'm curious, I'm sure the listeners are curious, what does that mean? What does that mean to you to be able, how do you know whether you did it or not? Yeah, so uh, it definitely can mean a, a lot of different things, a lot of different people. For me, it's just like, I know that humans' lives are better, billions of humans' lives are better because I was on the planet. Keywords better, not easier, right? Easier is I develop a piece of technology that makes people's lives easier. I feel like there's a lot of stuff people have done to make people's lives easier. And I don't feel like the world needs easier. It doesn't, in my, also in my opinion, it doesn't need a lot of advancement. Like we're, like the world doesn't need to advance as much as we put priority on. It doesn't need advancement, it needs enhancement, right? Meaning like making the world better, making people's quality of lives better, not easier, not making things quicker for people, but making like their level of fulfillment, how they are internally making that better. So for me, that's what it means. It's like, I get to my deathbed and uh, billions of people, you know, their, their lives are better on an inherent level and they're better fathers, better mothers, better husbands, better wives, better leaders, better teachers, whatever it is, because I was on the planet. That's what it, what it means for me. And also a big thing too is like, to, for me, it's not about legacy. Like that's one thing I, I don't value at all. Uh, a lot of people talk about legacy. I'm just aware, like whenever you die, like, what, what's the point of legacy? Like why work your entire life for something that is a benefit once you're gone to me it doesn't make a lot of sense so for me like i only do stuff if i know i would do this if i were if i knew i was going to get zero credit in any direction what would i do and then that's how, how i make decisions and what i do just because i feel like the credit doesn't matter accomplishments accolades you know everyone posts on social media when you die none of that really matters when you die right it's like even george washington abraham Lincoln. you look at these people who have impacted america and even americans think about how little we actually think about them even when we think about them it's like you know, it's a thought impulse that goes through. How many times do we like emotionally think about what they did for our country and like the way that our lives are different? Not that often. And even if we do, what's the point for them? They're dead, right? So it's like, for me, it's it's literally more so about, I just genuinely feel like on just a pure meaning level and, you know, call it spiritual, whatever you want to call it. I feel like that's why I'm personally on the planet is just make people's lives better. And that's the goal. Dude, I love it. Okay, last question, arguably my favorite question, but I'm very biased. What does the fight against mediocrity mean to you, Caleb? Huge, dude. I love the name of your podcast. Uh, I actually make a decision a lot of times on what podcast I go on just based off the name. Like if I believe in the name of the message. The other day I went on a podcast that was like winners win or winner, something like that. Anyway, or how to win. And I, I love that because I, I love winning. And then same thing with you, fight against mediocrity. I think that's powerful. Um, dude, that's been my entire life. My entire life has been a fight against mediocrity. You know, like I've always told my dad even growing up, I was like, dude, I, I – no matter what, I want to put myself in a position where the majority of the human race doesn't love me. And the reason why is because the majority of the human race, if you just look at us as a whole, most of us aren't fulfilled, right? If you look at the depression rates, suicide rates, anxiety rates, like most people are not fulfilled. And so it's like, so why would I want to be the masses? If you look at the masses statistically, like you don't want to be the masses, right? If you look at where they're at financially, mentally, emotionally, like the masses is not the category you want to find yourself in. And yet so many people, they optimize their life around being a part of the masses, towards being accepted by the masses, towards, you know, people liking them on social media, whatever it might be. For me, I just, I, I don't agree with that because like, why would I want to be accepted by a group of people that, that quietly don't want to, that don't like align with me on a, on a value-based level, on a principle-based level? What I'd rather do is be so different and so opposite that m the masses, like a lot of the masses shift as a result of my existence right that that to me is a life more lived it's not being loved by the masses but it's the masses being different because of the way that i i existed and showed up to the world right so that's been my entire life too is just like 
is being different, right? I've, I've always said you can't make a difference and not be different, right? Just it's that simple. Like you just think about it logically. You can't change what you're the same as, right? It just doesn't work that way. And so anytime some people talk about impact, it's like, okay, if you want to impact people, you want to change lives, you need to understand now you're avowing a vow of complete difference, right? Being completely different than everyone you meet. It means you live a different lifestyle. It means you make sacrifices. It means you don't get to have the, do the same things that most people do in order to get dopamine, entertainment, and live life the way that most people live. Um, and so that that's it for me. It's like, dude, I just, I don't want to be the masses. I want to be, I want to be different. I've been that way since I was a kid. That's why I wanted to make hundred K by 14, a million dollars by 16. It's like, it's always been, how do I do the opposite of the masses? Right. So for me, dude, I, what does it mean to me? It literally means everything. It's like, dude, that, that should be the goal of life is, uh, it's, it's like, ask this question. Do you think most people live up to their potential? The answer is no. Right. I mean, not a single person would disagree with that. Most people don't live up to their potential. So if you want to live up to your potential, you can't be like most people inherently the two things if it's a math equation they cancel each other out it doesn't work right so it's like for me my life has been about realizing my potential it's like okay what else can i do like okay i said i can make 100k by 14 i actually did that then a million dollars by 16 and then multiple eight figures and let's say okay like what, what else can i do you know what, what else am i capable of so every day i'm kind of just fighting fighting towards that it's like fighting towards my potential and uh, i just know it's not gonna happen through being the same or being you know being normal dude you gotta gotta be the opposite to be the opposite right Dude, that's powerful stuff. For anyone that's listening to this podcast, go back, start it over, listen to the beginning and listen through it again. Um, Caleb, I know I've appreciated your energy and the high level thinking of changing the world, changing billions of people's of lives, billions of lives. I'm grateful for you being on here today and impacting us, dude. I really appreciate it. You're stud. Absolutely, dude. You're the man. Appreciate it. Okay. We'll catch you guys on the next episode.